Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today I have Susan Marufo on with me. She is a yoga teacher who has led a very interesting path and some of you might be relating to her journey. She started off in advertising, married, had a home, and was miserable. We talk about her journey of leaving that space, that box, moving to Spain, and then eventually to Thailand, where she got her first certification in yoga. Many more things happened after that. You'll have to tune in to hear about it. But let's just put it this way. We talk about yoga, sex, and death. And that's actually the name of one of her programs. So please enjoy my conversation with Susan. Welcome, Susan. I'm really excited for our chat today. Some interesting topics I think that uh, so many people will really enjoy and perhaps are topics that will that they haven't really gone into as much and and this will inspire them to chat about it so welcome well i hope so thank you thanks for having me laura i'm happy to be here well we know you're a yoga teacher but i'd really like to start in the beginning and i always like to hear about the pathway into finding yoga what you were doing what your life was like at that time and and how this practice and this lifestyle has really transformed into where you are today. Oh my gosh. I love that the name of your podcast is redefining yoga because it has been redefined in my life so many times. Like what the idea of yoga is to me, it just changes and is morphed and it's a totally different thing now than when I started. Um, for me, but I started, I was married and I was working in advertising and 
I was living a pretty hard lifestyle, you know, that lifestyle that's like work hard, play hard. And um, I had all of the things that I thought I should have that I was, you know, that story, that story of like, I have all the things and I'm miserable. And how did this happen? And what does that mean? And then if this doesn't make me happy, then what will? And where do I find it? All of those things, but I just, all the checks, the check marks, check husband, check house, check job, check money. And um, yeah, I just, I was self-destructing and I felt very empty. Now I started doing yoga when I was 21. So my uh, ex-husband actually took me to my first yoga class and he's not, he's not what you would traditionally call a yogi but uh he's a rugby player and the rugby players were doing yoga and he was like you should come try this thing with me so I went and for me it was my life opened up and was never the same but I so I started doing yoga when I was 21 and all throughout my 20s I continued my practice and it was like you know your basic vinyasa yoga in a studio I was going to at the time and all throughout my 20s, I was also drinking myself to death and, you know, just just falling apart in a lot of ways, but holding it together externally, because that's what I thought you do. That's what I thought, it's like how it looks, how it looks on the outside was so important. So the further I got away from what it felt like on the inside, the more miserable I became. Although I didn't know it at the time, I wouldn't have been able to use those words for what I was experiencing at the time. I just knew I was really unhappy and I, I didn't know how to get myself out of this box that I felt trapped in. It was really my life that I felt trapped in, but it was a life I had created for myself. But at the time, you know, your 20s, <laughs> I didn't thinking that everybody else was responsible for my unhappiness you know my it was my husband's fault it was the job it was the place it was the people um I was just pro just projecting it all and then some point I had to get really honest with myself and and I just thought I need I need to know who I am outside of these things outside of being somebody's wife or boss or employee or sister or daughter all of these roles I needed to know myself outside of that so I think yoga was always even though it wasn't at the center of my life back then I was practicing and I think it was just slowly working its way through me and I didn't really know that that's what was happening, but it was doing its work. And then at one point I just said, I've got to go. I've got to go. And I left, I quit my job and I left the States and my husband at the time understood. And he was, he's amazing. He's an amazing human. Um, and he understood and said, okay, go. And I, and so I left, I moved to Spain um, and it was just a, wow, my life 
It was like I could breathe for the first time in my life. I felt like it was a big death in in that regard. It was like a, an an ego death, a death of all of these identifications. And it was scary as hell. But also, I remember this feeling of like, literally feeling guided. Like there was something moving me. I was being moved. And so I felt a lot of trust at the same time, a lot of just like, I'm letting go and I'm just going to trust and let myself be moved. And, and in that first year that I was living in Spain, I got a lot deeper into my practice. It was all about practice. It was like practice had become the priority for me. And I just gave myself the space and the time gave myself the permission to drop in and feel all the things that I had been numbing with alcohol and really just face myself. Um, and that felt like death. You know, that felt, there's a reason why we run. Well, let me first say that first, that's incredibly brave because you know, just like you mentioned that you love the name of the podcast, which I do as well. And I think the whole premise is that we are redefining ourselves. Hopefully, that's the goal throughout our lives. And and what I, you know, I've been practicing for 27 years and I was noticing this tendency for people to put yoga in a box. This is yoga. This is not yoga. Yeah. What you're practicing is yoga. This, what you're not, you know, and yeah. I thought who is to tell anyone what is or isn't yoga? Yeah. It should be constantly redefined. And I've had many, many Indian friends who are always perplexed because they're usually not the ones that are up on the, you know, mountain saying, this is not yoga. You're not practicing it correctly. They're welcoming the the evolution just like any transformative practice has. And the people that want to put it in a box, it's a safe place. Like this is, I can identify what I'm doing is the right thing. Similarly, what you did is you took this box that we define as being success. We have been told that subliminally and outright for many, many years, probably since the time we were young. And certainly some of us of a certain generation, not my generation, but even before, as women, we were told success is finding a good husband, you know, yes. having a having a nice house, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And it's like, these are boxes that um, really limit us and really ask us to shut down inquiry. So I guess my question for you is to have the courage to have that um, physical change, location change, emotional change, to follow that path of inquiry, what was, was there one singular thing or was it just a combination of listening to that inner self that had been tuned in um, to a higher frequency through your practice? 
you know, it was a matter of saving my own life. That's, that's what it felt like. Like I, I need to save my own life. And I think when the pain of your life begins to outweigh the fear of change, Mm. things shift because I was, I had been terrified of, of living without my husband, the thought of that, if, if you had told 24 year old or 25 year old, you're not going to be with this person, I would, I mean, that was my worst fear. And then I remember having conversations with him about like, I wanted to quit. I knew that drinking was a thing for me, an issue. And I remember saying to him, but what would we do? what would, who would our friends be? Like, what would I do for fun? And my whole life would change. And just that fear of, um, it's all going to look different. And I, I just was terrified and I was not ready. I was not ready until I was. And I think that that turning point is when I just knew that if I didn't change something, I was going to die. And, and, um, that's how much I was drinking. That's how much I was self-destructing and, and the pain of it just became too much. And I, and I said, you know, no matter what happens, I'm just willing, I'm willing to let go and I'm willing to just jump because I cannot live. This is not the life I I want. I'm not going to live like this. I'm not going to let that fear just run me into the ground. I'm going to just save my own life. Hmm. And it's, it's an an empowering thing because feeling like it's somebody else's fault, feeling like it's somebody else's fault um, or blaming the external, like my husband, or it felt very, it's, it's very disempowering. And so it was, but it was more comfortable for me to do that at the time to believe that than to actually turn and look at myself. And I think the more energy I gave to that, the more I was able to trust myself. So there's that, like, I can't, that piece of self-trust, it can't be built without taking risks. Mm -hmm. It just can't. So if I stayed, if I stayed, and stuck, you know, blaming other people and stuck in my own life. And in a very, it felt very disempowering. It's just like this cycle. And then the more, the more I drink and the more shame I feel and the more I drink. And, um, once I started looking at myself and realizing I can handle, I can handle this. I can handle this. I started to feel less ashamed of who I was and, I started to be able to trust myself a little bit, just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then that's a cycle, an upward kind of spiral that's like, okay, I trust myself a little bit more then I can see myself a little bit more and I know I can handle a little bit more and it just kept going until I just knew I could jump. I knew I could do what I had to do for myself and then I did. And then more trust, more self-trust. Um, because I knew I could handle the consequences of my actions, mm-hmm. no matter what, no matter what came. And then that is, that's yoga. Um, 
so yeah it that, sounds that, like what you did is like that native american saying about there's two wolves that are in you and one is destructive and one is powerful and good and you know well how do you you know which is the one that's going to come forth and it's the one that you fuel the one you feed so you have to feed the the brave one and not feed the one that's living in fear and 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 living and and making you destructive um, toward yourself and and toward your life. So from Spain, where did you venture to next? So after Spain, you know, all these things were happening to me in, when I in Spain when I was really getting into my practice, and I didn't have like a yoga community or anything like that, and so I didn't have a vocabulary to understand ex these experiences and. And, and which I'm grateful for because then the identification comes in, um, right? The, oh, making a story about it. It was just things that were happening. And um, at that point, I decided I'm going to go do a teacher training and become, because this is what it's like, this is what I love doing. I might as well move in this direction, feel that wolf, feed that wolf. <laughs> and so then I, I just started researching different schools and I found this school in Thailand online. I found it online and I just, from my gut level said, okay, that's, that's the one that's where I'm going next. And I finished my year in Spain. I was teaching English um, and I finished that year of teaching and went to Thailand and did a, did a 500 hour. That was all they offered. They didn't at that time. This was in 2009. There wasn't, it was 500 hour. It was, there wasn't a lot of 200 hours. It was just a whole 500 hours. So it was a three and a half month program. And um, my life just I bet. continued, just continued to blow wide open. It was a totally different yoga than I had ever experienced uh, it felt everything felt so exotic you know living in asia felt so exotic it was so different than any place i had ever been and the yoga was exotic and esoteric and everything just blew my mind open um and what part of that experience do you feel like you've brought with you into your kind of more current state of teaching and now leading retreats and leading these programs that we're going to talk about? Oh, gosh, the sex and the... <laughs> oh, the sex was there. Oh, well, tell us more. <laughs> I didn't know that about living in Thailand for three and a half months. <laughs> yeah, well, I ended up staying. I ended up staying for years. Um, so most of my thirties, I spent, I would spend half a year in Thailand and half a year in India. Um, so I lived in those places for many years and, um, that community in Thailand, unbeknownst to me at the time was a tantric community. Um, now, right. Tantra is a whole thing to unpack, but it's, it's a lot of people hear that word and, and they think sex and it's and especially now that I'm mentioning it within this context of sex, 
And the reason is because I was taught that we were taught that. And there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of conflating classical Tantra with Neo Tantra in this community. And, um, I, I didn't know. I thought it was all classical Tantra. I thought it was all Tantra. And so coming out of that whole experience has been a, a whole other thing, but, um, now I know now I'm clear and I like to be really clear when I teach, um, you know, that the sex piece is not really, uh, a part, um, of the practices of classical Tantra. There's, very small, small, small part in the classical texts that have to deal with sexuality. And, but it is predominantly in terms of practices, not about sex. And so there's sacred sexuality and there's neo-tantra and that does involve sexuality. And I'm I think that's, I think that's when we think of like Sting talking about tantric yoga and how he could have you know, these two and a half hour session, intercourse sessions, and everybody's like, I like that. Um, yes. But yes, yeah, so I, would you, so for the classical Tantra, I think I understand it, but for people that are listening, when they, when you talk about sex in this more classical way, sexuality, creativity, um, that area of the body that is really our identity more than the act of sex. Am I correct? Yeah, well, yes. I mean, Tantra is an all-inclusive path. Classical Tantra is that, you know, I'm not shelling things here, but like um, everything is holy. There is nothing that could not be God. Everything is sacred. And so in that way, sexuality is another part of this, of this world a form and so therefore is included just like anything else as a path for realization um it, so i think that what happens is people because right now and where we are living our consciousness is really we're we're sex we're we're obsessed with sex and so it's like oh this is a convenient tradition to focus on sex then and make it a whole path in and of itself. But classical Tantra doesn't put that em emphasis there. It's more about finding the holiness in, in form and the formless where up until this point, a lot of traditions regarded the formless as a little meaning regarded consciousness as a little bit, uh, as the thing to realize capital S self or God and that the body or the world of form with all of its temptations and all of its pleasure was actually an obstacle on the path towards to God or to self realization. But Tantra was like, Oh, but, Oh, but this too, this, the body is also a vehicle, the body, the whole world of form pleasure, all of it the profane anything that is in the world of form is also sacred and holy and so that's really the main difference there the turn that tantra took and let's use this world of form let's use visualizations mantra colors and, and body to mm. realize the truth 
of the truest nature, you know, of who you are. So that was, that's the, that's the difference. And then studying classical texts and we did that in this community. And we were also practicing sacred. We were having, you know, doing sex rituals and sex magic stuff and, um, a lot of sexual exploration the point at this time was about using that sexual energy to to go beyond form into the formless and in, in the two of form to the to formless to merging and so that was the practice um and how did and that I, how did that practice uh take you to a different stage in your life um, in terms of all that you had left behind, really, to to travel into this new space of inquiry and, you know, that bravery and the unknown. But I'm imagining, I know you're from Texas, like these, um, even today in our modern day world, we mostly in the in the western world we don't talk about sex in any way except that the the way that we you know sell it <laughs> um yes so what what happened to your kind of personal life during this time wow okay so you know i was saying in my you know before i had been numbing and basic and and running from feeling things and blaming my husband for a lot of, of things. And one of them being my own sexual um, blockages, I guess is that, that word is a tricky one for me, but I know it's like just, frigidity, but that sounds like that doesn't sound nice either. Right. Right. For my own. Yeah. Sexual issues. <laughs> and I was blaming him. It's like our sex is not good because of you. And so at this point in my life, I had I came back home to my body. And that was the yoga. The yoga helped me come back embodied in my body and start to feel. And then I started to get more honest with myself about trauma that lived in my body and sexual trauma that was in that was living in my body. And being able to heal that, heal that through sexual exploration and going deep into feeling a lot of the things that I had pushed aside, which is the nature of trauma, right? It's like in those moments when it seems like it's too much, our nervous system gently and kindly just puts those parts aside for another time. And so this was the time. This was the time for me to learn to be with all of that strong emotion and all of the things that I hadn't been wanting to feel and to feel them and let that energy that had been frozen begin to defrost and to move and to flow. And so all of this energy just came back to me and it just opened up my life, that healing, that healing. And, um, you know, now since then I've been working with women that was in 2009. And, and ever since then I've been working with other women and I can't find one 
that has not experienced some kind of sexual trauma and you know big t little t it doesn't matter it's just what the body what is held in the body and the body doesn't really understand the difference between oh that's big trauma or that's little trauma or that wasn't a big deal it's the body responds to whatever feels like it's overwhelming in the moment and so it man all it's all right there the yoga the sex and the death it's like being in the body meeting sexual energy and healing sexual energy and then the intensity of what that can feel like it feels like a death and ultimately like working through those things being able to experience pleasure in sex i i that had been a foreign thing to me and being able to understand the pleasure of the body and being able to understand sex and using sexual energy as a devotional practice or as prayer so that there can be the disillusion of two becoming one and that kind of exalted experience in sex all of that was just so so healing and i realized oh this is just another another pathway this is another way of to to feel that no mind place or that disillusion and but really it's sexual energy meeting the heart mm. that's what's happening which is from a yogic perspective it's second chakra up to the up to anahata chakra which is the heart it's the the union that union of the masculine and feminine within and then the the dissolving into bliss and that's that's it all that's it right there so um and that's what you, you know, teach now. I mean, you have these, let's talk about your programs, the ESD programs that you run. Um, what does, what do those look like uh, for someone who might be interested, whether it's a retreat form or online? I don't know if you have that, but can you tell us a little bit about how you have used all of your own background and your own experiences and kind of package this for healing and transformation for others yeah well it it is a mirror of my own journey so it is definitely something that is built from an in an inner knowledge of all of the material like an experiential thing it isn't something that's just coming from the mind or something i read in a book it's definitely um mirroring my own journey and of, of this, it's the yoga, sex and death. And it it's offered, I taught it for many years. The first time I taught it was in 2014 in a six week format. So it's offered in a six week format. Um, and it's also offered in in-person retreat, which is a little bit more intensive. Mm -hmm. So there is, there's a yoga, sex and death one, there's a yoga sex and death level two, and there's a yoga sex and death level three. And level three is the facilitator training. I train facilitators um, to teach this course. It, it's pretty in-depth. And I teach uh, max four, four women a year. I take for level three. Um, and YSD level one has different entry points. So like I was saying, you can do it as the six-week course. You can do it as the immersive 
intensive retreat, or you can do it online. So there's different ways to take it. And the online version is called YSD basics. So it's, it's just a lot of the foundational concepts of yoga, sex, and death, as well as, um, yoga practices. So if, if you feel like this is, that is intimidating, that whole, you know, just the name is intimidating, then I would say you're probably the person that is, it's a good fit for. Exactly. <laughs> if you want to run from it, that probably means you need to run toward it. <laughs> That's what a lot of women, you know, that come have come, uh, say they've like, I, I came because it scared that just the title scared the crap out of me. So I knew I had to do it. And so there's different levels. You can, you can dip your toe in with the online course, or you can take it in a little bit more digestible in the six week, or you can dive in for the retreat. You can do all three. You know, I have women that have done all three. I have women that have done the retreat four times. Um, and those are the ones that often end up becoming facilitators like they they want the path and they go through the whole thing but um yeah it it is uh I there is a six-week course I am teaching a retreat oh that is I I there was something I wanted to say and I'm remembering it now it's been for women only since 2014 it's been strictly a, a women, a course for women. However, for the first time in October, I'm, I'm doing a co-ed in, including men. And I have a co-facilitator, a co-lead named Keith McGinnis, who is fantastic and has been also doing the same work. He was also living with me in that community um, and is a teacher, he's a yoga teacher and a facilitator of authentic relating. He's fantastic. So we are co-leading this group in bringing men into the fold for the first time. So I am, I am very interested to see how this, how this goes, especially it's just been so, so close to my heart, this work with women. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's important work for men as well. So we're, we're going to open it up and see how that, how that goes. And I'm excited about it. Um, I will still do retreats that are for women only. And, and also, um, I will do retreats that include men probably with Keith. Wow. That's amazing. Can you talk a little bit about the death part? Because I think, um, the sex part you covered to, to, you know, or at least we got a little bit of a glimpse death we talked about, you were mentioning like when you moved to Spain, there was a death uh, that you have to mourn, that old chapter that even though you were so ready to leave it, like you said, it was destroying you. But a death is another um, idea, term, thought, reality that humans are so uncomfortable with in general. I'm sure in different parts of the world, they're much more... um, there's a lot more reverence um, and discussion about death, but what, how how do you fold that in? Okay. Well, in yoga, it is the, disidentification of our beliefs and our stories. And I think that feels like death, right? That's what we're talking about when I left 
and who I think I am, letting go of all of that. And in sexuality, it is that dissolving of sexual energy into the heart, no mind, orgasm, you know, the, the little death, the French call it, it's no mind, that kind of death. What I realized all along the way is this, the thing inside of me that has a really hard time with letting go, the part inside of me that resists change or is not open to life as it is unfolding. And I was very aware of it, that fear of letting go and how it kept just coming in my life in sexuality. Like I don't, I'm afraid to feel, I'm afraid to, that's been a pervasive thing throughout my life. Like I'm afraid to feel, so I'm just pushing, I'm controlling. I don't want to deal with the feeling of rejection or the feeling of abandonment or the feeling of fear. And so I just numb myself or don't let things in. And I, and then I realized it felt like, because it felt like death to me. And so I started getting very curious about that and then started, I thought, well, why don't I just turn to face that? Why don't I start looking at that? And I came across some teachings specifically from the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. I've had some great Tibetan Buddhist teachers and, and their teachings of death and dying. And it just viscerally, I remember the first time I came across the teachings I had a very strong landing. It felt like this is all landing and this is home. And somehow I've done this before. And uh, I just followed the, those breadcrumbs. I followed that trail and just kept studying and kept practicing these, these death practices um, and haven't stopped. You know, I'm still this, this morning I was in my, practice of um just reading about the bardos and because ultimately it's like these these the fear of 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 change is the fear of death so yeah i was going to say for anybody that's listening you might know but one of the five clashes that is uh that are like timeless and that that really block us from this place of contentment and harmony and like you said just feeling full feeling is is um this fear of change and ultimately the biggest change is death and so it is for anybody that's a control person that really like yes. you know has hard right like raise your hand anybody that has a hard time <laughs> with transitions raise your hand like these this the, this work is to um have you become more adaptable i think with with the um, being okay not knowing the outcome, and being okay with al just allowing, so that you are not having because ultimately we're fooling ourselves if we think we're actually controlling anything, <laughs> you know. Yes. You know we can be participants and we can be lively participants, but we're going to really exhaust ourselves if we're always trying to control. Yes. 
And, and, you know, when I came across these teachings, it was like, oh my gosh, nobody's told me, oh my gosh, nobody told me these, these, these things. And so I, I was like, okay, well, I guess then I can, I can, I can do that. I can start incorporating these in my teachings that, that this life is a practice at every turn. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to practice this letting go, letting go of, of this identity. You know, it's humans. It's a very innocent and natural part of our experience to be identified with this physical body and that this is who I am. And yoga helps us see beyond just the physical body and then practice with the very human like make friends with ego, make friends with the mind, make friends instead of having that inner war with it. It's like holding it's holding, we're holding each other's hand to end the war. And we we have all this practice and that this life is so generous and kind in the way that it just keeps giving us, giving us another opportunity to practice letting go, another opportunity to practice working and navigating the uncertainty of change gives us another opportunity to practice the welcoming in of the things that seem unwelcomeable. Uh, mm, and beautiful. if we, if we can practice that now, then by the time death comes and it's time to let go of the physical body, well, we've been practicing and we can let go with peace. We know how to do it. And what a better spiritual gift to give yourself. And what a better spiritual gift to give the people around you than a good death. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because like in the Buddhist tradition, what they say is you'll die how you are now. Like, However, your mind is now, that's what you, that's what you take. The body goes, personality go, it's, it's the, it's the mental patterns that you take with you. So what shape is your mind in right now? And nobody had told me that it's like, holy shit, right? Like I want to practice now. So if, if I have a neighbor that's just fucking banging on that construction and there's hammering and I'm sitting here in my meditation and I'm like just so pissed off and so irritated it's just good to work with that it's good to okay I see that and and uh, have a laugh about it you know a sense of humor about these things and okay that's what's happening and so it gives me an opportunity to work on my impatience and my irritation uh because you know this will come mm -hmm. it, it comes at death as much as i say i want a peaceful death then something can something's going to happen where you know some, it, it makes me comes. think of like when you're saying construction all that i often reference the body as a home which many people do and like we have a lot of a lot we do and i say control in a good way we have um, ownership over how we build our house and take care of it. And the way I'm thinking like your practice is, is it's like all the rooms in the house are, are really 
cared for and lived in. You know, there's no like living yes. room that's just abandoned unless guests are coming, you know, or the dining room table that's just cluttered until one time or two times a year. It's like you're going into all the rooms, the attic, the basement, the scary areas, and then you're really embodying them and living in them and inhabiting them in a way that you that they're they're being occupied, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. You know what came to me this morning as I was practicing again it is this in the world and not of it. Mm. In the world and not of it. So it's not like just the of it part where you're just observing it as like an outsider, like just watching and I'm not a part of it. You are in the world. I mean, just like you're saying, inhabiting your body, inhabiting all of the rooms in the body, feeling it, digesting it, and it just moves through. And at the same time, knowing that it is not the totality of who you are. So it's like both in, in the world and not, and not of it. Mm. So it's exactly that. Like this home. Yeah, it is. I love that. Oh, well, I could talk to you all day. Susan, you're just a, a real gift and a great, I can see you're such an energy healer because you've done, and I love it because you've done this work. You've had the path and to me, I, I'm both very academic, but I'm much more experiential because I don't need a research paper to tell me what has worked. It's yes. wonderful because you need to share it and people need to believe you. And then you have this like kind of codified document. But at the end of the day, if you've done the work, the experience of it, yes. there's so there's such a richer um, sharing truly sharing because you're really you're coming to it from a place of like I've I have been there and I'm still working on it and nothing's going to get done until I'm but we'll I'm making changes and I want to share those with you so where can people learn more about you and join one of your wonderful great EDS courses yeah YDS uh, not EDS yeah, no it's yoga. Well, it's, I know. Yo sex. Yoga, sex, and death. Sorry. YSD. Yeah. That's right. Because I called it LSD at the beginning. Ha! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A better so mind trip for everybody. Yes. Um, well, I just, I want to say this piece, though, what you're talking about, that's the inquiry piece. You've mentioned inquiry a couple of times. And that's like, yes, we can read it in a book. You can read it in a paper. Science can say these things. But what is your direct experience? experience of it and that is re when it's realized means when it becomes real for you and so that inquiry I, you know I could talk a lot about inquiry but I will get to the things um so you can find more about the retreats at samarasacenter.com my website that's it'll give you all the information of um, the upcoming retreat schedule and where you can find YSD basics. Um, everything is there. And also our Instagram has all of that. You can find a lot of juicy things there. The, our IG handle is Samarasa Center. Samarasa is S-A-M-A-R-A-S-A. -A -A. So yeah, we'll put that in the mouthful. show notes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So those well, are the two main places 
I love it. Everybody check that out. Yes. Um, Yes. It's like the perfect cocktail. (laughs) It really is. The YSD cocktail. I love it. Um, I think it's a great, it's just a, it's from the macro to the micro and it's from the individual to the collective. I feel, feel like it's, it's doing all of it. And I really appreciate that you're offering this so generously to everyone from your own experience, your own heart and your own journeys. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to come and to share some space with you, to connect with you and all of your people. Yes. Appreciate it. Of course. And for everybody that's listening, as always, I'm pulling for you. Yes, me too. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.